Well, hello there, and thank you for tuning in to the Shameless Sex Podcast. I'm Amy, sex educator, somatic sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure product company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom, to pussy praising, to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and and enjoy enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. Hello, everyone. Hi, friends. This is episode 14? 14. Number 14. Woo! And we are recording from Oregon Eclipse Symbiosis Gathering. Symbiosis Gathering. We're at a festival, y'all. We're hiding in a... We're always in a vehicle, dude. Yeah. (laughs) We're in an RV. Yeah, we're in an RV right now. So if you can hear any air conditioning uh, in the background, that's because we don't want to die while we record. Because it's really hot here. It's pretty It's like the desert. We're getting dirty. It's almost like... I don't know, be camping, but it's like, like camping meets Burning Man. Yes, yeah, a little bit. And there's people from all over the world here. There's there close, there was it between forty and fifty thousand people. I think so. Yes. And today we were recording on Sunday, the day before the eclipse. You won't be hearing this until after the eclipse, so um, because we so won't be driving out of here until Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. So we're all still alive, but so we're out here. We're actually teaching a workshop out here, and uh, what we're going to do for this podcast is teach you the workshop from the podcast and not the live version of it. We're actually going to give you the workshop um, via this podcast and then we're actually going to deliver this live on Tuesday Tuesday. Mm -hmm, to a big crowd of lots and lots of people. So um, We're really excited though because people like the information is going to be really helpful. It's um, it's just good stuff to know in general. Not only about like sexually speaking but just like to better your... Um, the processes and how you do things, how you manifest things, and um, how to slowly give you tools to find your erotic superstar. Yeah, so the title of the workshop is Erotic Superstar, Step Into Your Power. And a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about if you've been listening to every episode, some of it will be you've heard before, but we're giving you a six-step process, and there's plenty more tools beyond the six steps that we have on how to be your most awesome, empowered, erotic self, but these are the six steps that we've narrowed it down to in order, because I personally think the order is pretty important. I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. You can't have... It's, it's like a building, the building yeah. blocks. And you know we all like steps. We like things simplified, like six steps to X, Y, and Z, as opposed to, like, we don't, you know, that's, that's the way our brains work. We want to know, like, okay, how many steps, how much do I need to do? And how, so we want to see progress. We want to see results. Absolutely. So And this stuff yeah. is stuff that you and I both have practiced. For us. That we practice really well. on a regular and mm-hmm. it has had significant impact on like yeah just not only like sexually being more empowered but in, empowered in life like yeah. w- within our careers within um even just like the the mindfulness of how we complete things in our empowered language and how we do things and you'll notice i want to also premise this if you've ever listened to our intro um which actually might be before this so you heard our intro uh, that we describe April as the boss queen sex toy mogul. So she's coming from a like deeply empowered place, and a lot of it ties into all parts of life, whether it's relationships, business is a big one for her, sex. For me, I'm coming from very much like the sex educator and sex coach approach. And so we, a lot of what we're going to give you is going to cover so many aspects of your lives and from different perspectives. So be ready to get and a whole bunch of awesome info. Even if you're not a super business driven person. I mean, even if you're like, you know, a bartender somewhere or you are a caretaker for, um, elderly folks, an elderly home, this is still ways to better your career because it's your job. And Mm -hmm. you know, you're spending probably at least 50% of your time because we all have to make a livelihood and, and, um, you know, uh, have the things like a house and, and, um, perhaps a vehicle, but, um, these are ways to just like, Uh, change your mindset to better yourself in whatever career path you're choosing, or maybe you want to go back to school and you're studying what, you know, there's just, these are also tools. So yes, I'm coming from a business deal closer perspective. But it applies to relationships. And it does. It very much applies to relationships because as we've said in previous podcasts, relationships are a constant negotiation. And And they're constant work. Yes. But, and, and yeah, they're of course, and a lot of people want to get away from the aspect. I don't want it to be work, but really they don't work if you don't work. I will say this right now. It's such a chaotic time with, um, 
Mercury in retrograde and the solstice. Like I've been doing all this, like this research, which I talked about the last podcast. Last podcast, but um, it's like being around this festival with all these different people, I've noticed a lot of chaos in relationships. Um, people arguing, and um, well, that's what festivals do to I, people. Well, I know because it's yeah. like a it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, uh-huh. and people get exhausted, and they're you know using some things. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it um, shows true colors. It does. People it does. have breakdowns. They get exhausted. And I have to say, I'm here with my partner. You're here with your partner, mm. and I've been using the tools, these tools, and other things, even when I am exhausted. Um, and it works yeah, and my, we've had great communication and yeah. it's not all rainbows and butterflies, but yeah, it's constant work and negotiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's an important piece to, to take into account if you want any relationship, whether it's business, family, friends, lovers, um, the work, the neg- constant negotiation, uh, that always has to be on the table. We always have to, or should, or I'm not should, but like there, it's it's part of it. It's part of it. It's, it's you, part of the deal. I remember even so, with kids communicating. You oh, have yeah. children, so, of course. or maybe you, um, your parents. You're you're struggling with communication with your parents or family members or friends. Yeah. Even this is all good, powerful stuff. So, so let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get into it, people. Okay, so we first, can skip the sex life update. I think. Yeah, y'all. Whatever, whatever, whatever. We'll get there later. We'll get there. Maybe if we have anything interesting, anything juicy to communicate. Or, yeah, we'll, we'll. We'll. I haven't yeah. lost my anal virginity yet because. <gasps> no, I you should, the eclipse. I think you should do it tomorrow on the eclipse. Well, I also haven't been able to use the restroom for a couple days. All right, so she's not going to lose her <laughs> anal virginity tomorrow because that's not going to work. That is I not need a good to, time. I need to bang out some things. You need to release the hounds before you lose the anal. <laughs> oh lord oh boy okay so anyways um it will so we'll update you on her bowel movements and let you know (laughs) (laughs) all right so anyways okay i would like to propose a question uh before we start so everyone everyone all you listeners out there whether you're driving or you're sitting down or you're moving around um ponder this question what were some of the messages you received when you were younger as to how you should be as a sexual being? You want me to start, too, since sure. no one else can answer? Oh, yeah, you can answer. Sure. So what were yeah, some of the questions? So what were you told about how you Abstinence. should be a sexual being? You were, because you were with Just auntie. don't do yeah. it. Just don't do Just it. Just save yourself for marriage. Uh-huh. And I was like, what if I don't want to get married? I'm going to be a virgin until I'm 95. Forever until you die. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I yeah. gave my virginity to God. So yours was abstinence. So it was yeah. that sex is only okay if it's. So was there any pleasure that was? Was it like sex is okay for pleasure only when you're married, or sex is just sex is only okay when you're married? When you're and the, pleasure wasn't ever an aspect of it that was brought up. It was like, it was like only okay talking about it in the marriage sense, and no one talked about masturbation. Oh, no. um, it wasn't really something that was open. And you know, still, and I will say this. And I know everyone in the Midwest is not conservative. I'm not saying that because, look, I'm from there. But I still have, like, very close girlfriends that can't listen to the podcast or will choose not to because they, it makes them uncomfortable listening to me talk. It triggers them. About this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, so freely and openly. They're like, I just can't. I, and I'm like, you've been my close friend. You've known me since I was 18. I've heard you having sex so, in so the bed next to me. you're you know? talking personally about yourself? They're just uncomfortable. Like, like could they listen to a sex podcast with someone they didn't know? I don't, I, I didn't actually dive into that, but it's, it seems like maybe it is because they know me. I haven't really asked her, but um, it's probably also just the conversations are uncomfortable because they were taught that you're not supposed to talk about these things, right? And they don't not well practiced, right? I mean, this is uh, this is just an assumption on my end, but that's she so has, common. You know, she has a kid, and um, it's really fun. She's married, and like uh, I, I talk to her about sex. I'm, I try to engage her, but it is still very much like it's interesting. Like my close friend won't even get into sex conversations with me, probably from the conditioning from mm-hmm. childhood and stuff. And I haven't dove into it with her, um, but I was like, no, give it a chance. Even my mom now is listening to the podcast. Um, so let's see the messages that I received. Um, I never received messages that sex was shameful. When I was younger, my mom, when I was before I was sexually active, she let me know way before I was sexually active that when I wanted to have sex, I could come to her and get put on, get on birth control. So it was, it was already conveyed in that message that it was okay. But there wasn't a conversation on pleasure necessarily, but sex was okay. And my dad didn't really, you know, if I had boyfriends over when I was, you know, my late teens, I was allowed to be in my room alone with them. And Mm. he wasn't like, he was not the protective father, um, which I think to a certain degree I I wanted because now I have the daddy issues that like desires this strong protective man. But it was also nice to have someone who, that. so that sex wasn't shameful then too. It wasn't like you need to hide behind closed doors. You need to keep it a secret. It was 
we understand that you're going to probably do this and we're here for you as a safe resource. So that felt really good. And I actually, as I started to become sexually active, I was really respectful of my body. I've had my moments where I've like, you know, not used condoms or whatever, but for the most part, I've been really, really good about taking care of my body and my sexual health. Um, but I do think there was definitely some slut shaming that happened. Oh, yeah. Or I think the biggest thing that I got was my first couple sexual partners um, that I had penetrative sex with. They never went down on me. Oh, and, yeah. And We've I, talked yeah, we talked about, about this, this for sure. And I didn't really, you know, I, I wasn't receiving pleasure education. I did receive in school um, comprehensive sex education. So they talked about sex. They just don't talk about pleasure. And it wasn't abstinence only. It was like what you, sh- you know, what you shouldn't do to like all the bad things. You know, you might get herpes and all this shit. Right. STDs yeah. was a big one. All and the HIV and AIDS because, yeah. you know, that was the 90s for so, me. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Scare tactics. So, so there was that. But. Um, I think with my my first sexual partners, because I didn't know, I knew about oral sex. I was giving them oral sex. They weren't going down on me, and I wasn't asking for it. And I didn't know that I was really worthy of asking for it. And so what it did is it created this, um, or I created this story that I wasn't worthy of this. And so in, now since then, all the sexual partners I've had, I've had to do a lot of work to fully let go and release. And I think it's really common for women, actually for a lot of people. Right. To not be able to receive because there's a worthiness issue around it based on some childhood stuff. Well, I got forced to give my, when I was 15, I was dating this, not dating, he was older. He was like 18, I think. And he kind of forced me head down to give him a blowjob. Me head. Me head. <laughs> me head to give me some head. head. Give some head. And oh, it was, it was like it face was, fucking? Well, he was just like, come on. He like pushed, oh, you know, we were making out. Yeah, the head shoving. And then I was uh, like, I don't want to. Cool and I said, no. I know. And so finally I, I like, uh, like went down and like was, you know, I think I was. You gave in. I gave in. But yeah. then it, I would just, I stopped after a little while. I was like, I don't want to do this. He's like, come on. You know, and kind of oh, giving yeah. me like Coercion the, is hot. Yeah. So hot. And, and I was 15 years old. So, and for me, I was um, a virgin until I was 17. Mm. Uh, virgin within like PI, you know, penis and vagina sex. Yeah. But um, I did a lot of oral stuff. But then I, after that, I wouldn't give blowjobs. Because you're traumatized. I was traumatized. Yeah. And, but uh, I had like a bunch of dudes go down on me oh nice sure. you got I the was pussy, like, pussy, pussy yeah you're the opposite yeah. of me you're like yeah my pussy. and i'm like eh, i don't know how to receive i'll go down on you right yeah. so i mean those are two very interesting perspectives though i had one circumstance in high school actually where like actually a number of circumstances where guys that i was interested in they were like expecting blowjobs and this still happens there's a really great book called girls i think it's called girls and sex and it's about um like modern day young girls you know like ages you know 12 to 17 or 18 and what they're dealing with in that world and with still living this very penis centric world mm-hmm. where um, blowjobs are happening at a young age and even like you know you know, vaginal and anal play and things like exploration. I think even younger and younger it now gets younger right. and younger yeah. and, 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 I, and of course if you look at history like people were getting married at younger ages oh and yeah right, like, right I mean in India still like totally as so soon as women get their periods they maybe in get western married. culture it right. seems like we've done this this kind of like thing where we where it was younger and then it was older and then it was younger again um, and there's this this kind of disconnect, I think, with women and sexual pleasure versus what men are entitled to receiving, that even the media and pornography, is, this is affecting 12 and 13 and 14-year-olds in their first sexual experiences mm-hmm. where women aren't always like, oh, yeah, I deserve fucking orgasms and people to go down on me and pleasure me and like you know it's it's much more penis oriented and, and, and there's also a thing of like there's a lot of young girls that are doing it to get attention you know if I don't and I actually had that happen to me too not happen to me I participated in that where I had men that were essentially like uh, we were like making out and they would only want to continue spending time with me in the evening you know they didn't want to just make out with me it was like oh if you don't like essentially they didn't say it in these words but if you if you give me head I'll stick around I had at least two oh, yeah. different men do that. I had I had a couple of men that I had been dating um prior to my very first long-term boyfriend so I was, in my teens still I was 18 19 maybe mm-hmm. and they would break up with me after I was like I'm not gonna sleep with you like because yeah. we weren't dating dating like exclusively and so I had this thing of like if I, you're not my boyfriend I'm not gonna fuck you yeah um and so uh they would hang out with me a couple times and then when they realized that I was really like nope not gonna happen like, like maybe you three, set your four, boundaries five, and they were boundaries. like I'm out. Yeah. They were like, oh. Which to a certain degree. So if we look at in the adult world now, like if we look at it now, 
and you're dating someone as you know your 34 year old self 35 now How 35. Old yeah, 35. <laughs> 35 and um you're dating it's the initial phase of dating you're just dating and it's right. the beginning phase and you're essentially like hey i only have sex with people that are my part like my 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 partner and i only do monogamy with those people and they're like okay that's not what I do. It would be okay now. It would be the kind of more normalized for them to set that boundary and you to set that boundary if it was done lovingly. Well, if they would, if it was communication yes. involved, but I set younger, my was, boundaries. Yeah, yeah. and and so I was much. like, no, it's not going to happen because of slut shaming. Well, I was and, always and they like were doing as an ultimatum in the past too. Well, yeah, and and I was like, I was always thinking you have to earn this. Like you have to, for some reason for me, well, it was a big well, deal. Trust and safety, yeah. which is very important. And that we're, we're, we're building that in now, right. but then we didn't understand it. it. We would say things like you need to be my boyfriend to do this because there was this idea that there was trust and safety in the title. And right. that, you know, all of a sudden just people are doing that with marriage now though. Right. Same thing as, you know, as adults, it's like, Oh, if we're married now, we're safe. But really it's just no, a title. It's just a, a title and a piece of paper. Right. Yeah. So like we're, we're never, and there was safety for me in that having a boyfriend and being like, okay, now like, yeah. Okay, but okay. Fun fact about me: I had a boyfriend. We were both virgins. He was my childhood best friend, and then we didn't talk from age like six, and because then he thought girls had cooties, you know, from age six until like fifteen, and then we started dating at fifteen or sixteen, and we lost our virginity to each other, and he broke up with me a week later, oh. and didn't even think about it. He didn't even think about it of like that this might be pretty traumatic. Wow. And he was just like kind of emotionally detached and done, and I was like, holy fuck, super tra- super traumatizing. Um, to just, to just, be... how was your first time you ever had sex? Like your first experience? It was quick and painful. <laughs> Mine was really not good either. I think most, I mean, okay, we're dealing with like hymen and you know, this and the is... first guy that I was ever, my, my, who like took my V card, um, took, gave it to him, he whatever. Stole it he away. stole it. Um, he was like such a, uh, like a, a self indulgent it was all about him. lover yeah. oh my god and it would be like Pleasure sometimes order. yeah and it was like taker yes and it, I'd, i wouldn't see him because we went to different unis and um and so every time i come it would just be like he'd basically just like fuck me for the first like 10 minutes maybe if it lasted and then wouldn't even really talk to me i was like oh i want to like love and connect and yeah. like and it was really hard for me i was like are you just using me for this like what's going on yeah, it felt really good. weird but and that's, again, so there's a couple of things there. Of course, there's some people that are, mo- like, you know, they have an embrace their vulnerability and their emotional side. And that eventually at some point is going to either catch up with them, whether they want to do the work, or they'll just stay super disconnected for the right. rest of their lives. And they're living in that penis-centric culture that is all about the cock, pleasuring the cock. You know, I watch porn, and this is what happens, that we just fuck it out, and then we're done. And then, they, you know, they ejaculate, and they get tired. And there's so many factors there that are so unfair to heterosexual relationships. So unfair to heterosexual relationships. Okay, well, what about when you were in, um, in when you actually had the the relationship with that woman? Was there a lot of mutual connection there and understanding? Well, actually, it was very closeted because she came from an extremely wealthy conservative family. So there's her shame. There's the yeah. So it would always be like, um, it was it was a very interesting dynamic. Like we were together, and most people knew we were kind of a couple, but we never came out like that. Mm. And we were always together but because of what she did. Yeah, I used to stay at her parents' house. I lived at her parents' house with her during but the they summers. They thought you were her friend. Yeah, and we slept in the My same friend. bed, and yeah. I, they never said anything. But we'd always be like, "No, we're just friends. We're just best friends." Um, but so there was shame. Friends. One of my girlfriends said, "Are you are you and her together?" And I was like, "No." I like men because I wasn't sure. I'd, it was a label thing. I was like, I'm not a lesbian, but I really enjoyed being with her. Now I could be like, I'm queer. I'm heteroflexible. I would just say something like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm me. Yeah. Uh, back then it was like all about labeling. I was like, I'm not a lesbian. Yeah. Even though well, there's, there's shame around it. There was right, still this. And there's no shame around it now. I yeah. was very just like insecure about my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that being said, um, it was a closeted situation um, with a lot of jealousy if I was, because we never defined our terms. So sometimes I like had a relationship with a guy on the side where I'd hook up or, you know, kind of, and she would get angry with me because we went to different schools. So it was very intensive. Hmm. She threw a pot at my head once. Whoa. Like violence. A po- potted plant. Yeah. All right. And that's when I was like, maybe this isn't yeah, my this best interest. It's a time to get out. She was like, yeah, very, very, um, she was, a uh, kind of like territorial with me possessive possessive yeah well that's some work for her to do i hope that was a long time ago we were young yeah yeah and i think she just had some things to work out yeah well imagine living a life feeling like you can't be who you are she's totally well exactly there's shame about who she is and now she's out and she's awesome she's right fully liberated right 
And so I think that in general, like it was that thing. Shout out to everyone who's felt like they had to live in the closet and couldn't be who they are as sexual beings, which is most people. Hi. Oh, so we're in the RV. We have some guests that are waving at us. Hey, friends. Hi, friends. Hey, come here. Let me ask you a question. Questions. You can be anonymous. So we have a question. Um, so what were some of the messages you were given as a sexual, about how you should, should or should not be as a sexual being when you were younger? When you were this is anonymous. People don't have to know who I you are. I said abstinence. What were you given? Should or should not be? What were you told? Anyone? Um, Bueller? Told, uh, to not be, uh, to be okay with it. To like, just, yeah, yeah. To, like it wasn't, you were never shamed. It was like kind of something that natural and the family accepted. It's like. For pleasure as well? For sexual. I mean, they didn't, you know, yeah. Yes. Awesome. Your parents are great. <laughs> what about you, lovely? What'd you get? What'd you get? My parents didn't talk about sex with me. No? There was zero conversation. My mom just said, here, use birth control if you're going to, and that was it. So it was that sex would happen. Like, it was like, oh, it'll happen, but we're not going to talk about anything else other mm-hmm. than here's some pills. Don't yeah. get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one step up from abstinence-only education. Yeah. <laughs> That's Wisconsin. It could be worse. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so let's move on, because we've talked a lot about that. Um, okay, now everyone, vision. Close your eyes. If you're driving, don't do this, but just... Pull over. Pull over. Find an underpass. Or don't pull over. You don't have to close your eyes. But just imagine. Imagine this. When you were born, had you never received any shame, trauma, or rules about how you should be as a sexual being, what would you be like? So what would you be like if you never received any of those ideas about who you should be? No abstinence only. No too much. No too little. Um, If you had no messages and you just grew and evolved as you were... Who would you be? Usually when I ask Sexual this, goddess. Meow. So when I ask this, I always, and I probably talked about this in past podcasts, I talk about when you see little kids, like you see little two-year-olds, and they're like little pleasure seekers. And they're touching their, 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 their pee-pee and the, their wang-wangs. in their bathtub. Their penis. Dude, I took a bath with my brother when we were little, like all the time, because it's Wisconsin, well, and my was, mom couldn't handle both I of us. I took a bath with my guy And he used to get a little. boner. I was like, what's happening? What's that? And then well, I was at the zoo in this... This gorilla was masturbating once, and my mom was like, don't look. It was like, I was like, oh, what's happening? I was five. So there's masturbation shaming already in the animals. Yep. Um, so I was, so those little pleasure seekers, though, they're running around. Everything just that feels good they want to do. Yeah. They're like, and they don't know any better until someone's like, don't do that. Do it. You can't do that in public. You got to do that behind closed doors. Don't touch that. You know, there's a lot of shame that happens. And, of course, we can't all be walking around the street and, like, wanking ourselves and diddling ourselves everywhere because it would be really fucking distracting. And I think that as if we grew up and we didn't have all these messages and we just evolved to be who we were, we would be a lot more free and expressive. But instead, we're a lot more contained because we get these messages. And even if like this lovely gentleman that stepped in here got the messages that it is OK, I'm sure for him, there was still other outside messages about who should be. He should be as a masculine being, who he should be in terms in regards to his you know, relationship with other women or whatever it is. There's these ideas of who we should, who should and should not be. And some of them are really important, you know, based on consent. And I think it's important if you have children, especially young children, it's important not to shame them if they're asking about their genitalia or touching themselves. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's normalized. Those are it. your feel good bits. Yeah, I'd be like, this is a part of you. And yes, maybe not doing it out in the middle of the playground right. around all the other kids Could because do it in, in privacy yeah, of their own but home. But it's okay for you to do. Like, this is a part of your, this is your expression. Um, so that's the vision. Okay. Now, <clears throat> step one. Step one, we've already covered with the first question, um, but step one is clearing shame. And you really can't do the rest of these steps. We have six steps for this erotic superstar piece. If you did the other pieces without this, you would probably keep going like one step forward, one step back. We actually had a, um, a comment from a listener that sent us an email about how to clear shame. Remember yeah. um, Joe Schmo from Ohio, I think? What did Joe Schmo say? Um, he was asking us to... Not give our sexual life updates. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was a little. And he was we like, didn't do. He's like, I usually skip to uh, minute, minute 18. 18. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because he was like, he's not, not ramble as much. Like, yeah. He loves the podcast. But so this one's rambling. for you, Joe Schmo from Ohio. Yeah. We skipped yeah. the sexual life updates. I mean, we did kind of talk about some stuff. But it's yeah, but it's past. okay. It's all, it's all part of it. Uh, so he was asking, though, for more tools on, on how, how to get yeah. cl- out. The, yeah, the shame. Out the, shame. the shame. So, and so this is, I'll give you like the Cliff Notes version of this. But if everyone is um, not familiar with Brene Brown, I would really get go research and worthiness. Yeah, she it's has amazing an book. Audible, and then you can also get it. Actually, my girlfriend that's going through some things is reading it right now, and it's, it's she's great. it's really helpful for her. And she has some wonderful TED talks on vulnerability. She does. And um, what she talks about is she's, she's got a PhD in psychology. She's, she's got amazing. a lot of yeah amazing yeah, credentials. Brown. So she talks about shame and working with shame. And so what she says is that shame 
thrives in silence and secrecy and it dies in empathy. Meaning when we have shame, and let's get clear on the distinction between shame and guilt. Guilt is that thing that you did is bad. Shame is I'm bad. They're very different in the way they feel. And what happens with shame a lot of times it's so intense and we have kind of a trigger response to it and we hold it in and we don't release it and we carry it. And when we carry it on our own and in that silence and secrecy, it grows, it festers, it, it just explodes in ourselves and it weighs us down. And so what she says is it's important to out that shame either right when it happens or either even later. You can have shame from 10 years ago and out it. It can have less hold But over it's you. important to address it, yes. the shame. And if you're not exactly certain on what the shame is, it's important to get clear, get clear about the traumatic yeah. instances. The guy that forced me to give him a BJ when I was 15. Yeah. Traumatic. Or, yeah, like we've done some shame outing, you know, like I've, you know, talked about the abortion and you talked about the affair. I've, you know, I've had, I've cheated on partners. I've had my partner that was going to leave me for another woman, you know, things like that, that I would, you normally hold because your fear is I might be perceived as weak or not lovable and then I lose the love. So be vulnerable. You have to get vulnerable. But not with just anyone. No. So you, because there's some people, like I know a number of people in my life that I were to be like, hey, and this is what you, what you should, what you can do to someone that will love you in all your vulnerability. Someone that is like, can see you your trust, tears right. and your, in your like anger and be like, hey, I got, I got this. I'm going to be here for you. And you say, hey, homie. I have some shame. Can you just hold some space for me while I out it? I'm not looking for you to fix me. I just need to be heard. And they say, yeah, I'm, I'm here with you. And then you out it like, hey, yeah. So last December I had an abortion. And it actually wasn't really shameful for me, but I'm going to use that. Um, it was really, if say it was, it was really shameful. It was really hard. I, you know, because it is really shameful for a lot of people. I've had, when I've talked about this abortion to people, I've had women whisper in my ear, I had one too. And I'm like, why are you fucking whispering that? But for them it's shameful. Right. And so I get it. And so I've then, had friends comment about you outing your abortion on the air saying like, you know, it made me uncomfortable how open she was about the abortion. I was like, why did it make you uncomfortable? That's her. Yeah, question that. Thing. Question yourself. Right. What, what yeah. makes you uncomfortable about that? I'm not preaching everyone should go get an no, abortion. No, not I'm, at all. I'm saying that um, I was very, very safe. I was with the same partner I'd been with for a long time. Granted, we were going through some shit. And I had the IUD and I got pregnant. And I knew. Which is like the third person that I've known of that's gotten pregnant on the on IUD. IUD. Yeah. And I, and I had had the IUD for nine years. You can have it up to 12. So um, I chose to have an abortion. I always knew that I was in no place to have children. Yes, if you have an IUD, you should check because the FDA does not regulate that stuff as much as they should. And copper disintegrates the sperm tail. It does like, some crazy that shit cannot be yeah. healthy for you. Yeah, it's like a, it's gnarly. It's Copper just, poisoning, like yeah. it causes weight gain, well, that's why I, got it. I finally got my second one out because right. my face was breaking out. So that's like the crazy. non-hormonal version. Yeah, it was non-hormonal. So just something to think about if yeah. you're going to have the IUD. I mean, yeah. birth control in general, there's a whole, you can listen to this Fertility Friday lady who is, specializes in not getting pregnant without using birth control. She like, you, you track your cycles. Um, there's a podcast on it. She's amazing. Okay, let's come back. Come back. back. We're back. 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 So embracing vulnerability, people. Okay, so you out it to that person. What you, what you might feel once you out the shame, and that person's just like, I still love you. Like, that's all you need from them, to be witnessed and have them look at you and be like, I'm not leaving you. I'm not abandoning you. I'm not judging you. I still love you. And all of a sudden, you're like, holy shit, this shame has a lot less hold on me, and it's this weight off of your shoulders. So um, this is a really important step in embracing your erotic superstar self, in creating that erotic empowerment. Because if you don't do this, you're going to be carrying, it's, it's armor. Carrying baggage. heavy armor that's going to make it so all these other steps aren't going to get through. Yeah. So work on that shame and outing the shame, um, and that creates shame resiliency, knowing when shame comes in. What does it feel like in your body when you feel shame? Do you tense up? Do you want to run? Do you want to hide? And when that happens, find a shame ally that you can out that shame. And we've already kind of outed a some. A shame ally. Will you be my shame ally? Hashtag. I have a lot of shame allies. Shame ally. But we're pretty blessed. I'm your shame sense. ally. But a lot of people don't. Like your friends who are talking about, right. they probably don't have a lot. Like right. those are the, we're not supposed I'm to I'm probably talk their about shame that. ally because they've Good. outed some things. People need it. It's okay to talk about our things. It's okay to talk about them openly i'm not saying everyone should get an abortion i'm saying that was the choice for me and if you're triggered by it you might want to look into that and we'll see the deeper meaning of why you're triggered by it why is it making you uncomfortable right step two get into your body so step one the clearing shame so we can get rid of, get out of your head people get in their heads yes so we get rid of the armor in step one and if you once we get rid of that like think of it as these layers that are holding us back we get rid of that and now we can actually come into our bodies and it's it especially with sexually you. too when you get like when you're just all in your head about like oh my body or you're afraid to get on top because of x y and z i'm speaking from a female perspective yeah and um you know you just like totally are in your head all the time get out of your head get into your heart space into your body 
body feel the feelings of like and being you, touched it's, okay, or which as she says this it's hard to do when we have the armor on it is the armor is going to hold us back from being able to get in there so we need to unleash that armor our armor the armor to get in there and then once we can then it, then we can get our bodies and this is the important step step two it starts with you because if we rely on someone else for our pleasure you are responsible for, for your healing, own pleasure yes unless it's a therapist they can give us the healing of course they work with us but it starts with you and so it is this is this is the really important step to get clear that like to get in your body it's up to you to be able to do it so get rid of the armor and now april tell us about power posing all right so everyone listening right now stand who, who's up not driving <laughs> who's not driving if you are driving pull over right now um unless it's the la 405 on a friday night so you're in traffic in um yeah basically stand like wonder woman right now Get up, stand like Wonder Woman, or do the Obama. Put your foot up on your desk and put your arms behind your head. I call it the Obama. Like opening your chest. Get right? big. Just make yourself big. Like if you're in the forest and you see a bear, what would you do? Except Not a grizzly. grizzly. Yeah, if you see they a will grizzly, eat your face off. Get the fuck out of there. Run. <laughs> no, run, don't run. run. You got to no, walk away slowly. No, no, no. We're they, gonna no, Google no, this no, later. No, no. I don't Google know about shit. that. You run. That like you get the <laughs> fuck. Grizzlies can run like 35 miles an hour. Grizzly. If you walk there, no. Yeah, I know. So good luck. Like hopefully the grizzly just gets over you. Well, just you know what. You see a black bear, get big, but the grizzly just, I get the fuck out of there. Anyway. Anyways. So, no, side note. So, mountain lion, okay? Okay, get big. Mountain lion. Get big. Um, Because, so there's all this research and studies, and actually, um, Amy Cuddy, who is a Harvard um, psychologist, she teaches, um, she's a professor of psychology at Harvard. She wrote the book Presence. She wrote Presence. Which I'm listening on. It's amazing, the book. Um, She... So she's done years and years of research because um, they noticed when, like, during um, the Olympics, when blind folks were running the Olympics and won, they would do the exact same reaction as folks that could see, even though they were born blind, which is they would get big and show all this excitement after they won a race. And that stemmed a question of, is this normal ingrained in our DNA of human beings to get big? It's like drawing in the alpha perspective. So alphas no matter like okay so we're closely related to the um bonobos like bonobos genetically are awesome. they're awesome they're like so the they free love apes right and so, matriarchy the women rule totally i hey. know hey that's what i'm talking about so we are closest genetically in the um you know Our homo DNA. erectus to homo sapiens stage we're related to the bonobos so in bonobo tribes tribes well the tribe troops of, troops i oh, think troops. it's a troop of bonobos um they the alphas always get big with each other. So there's all this research. So they did a bunch of um, human research. So she started these studies, um, which showed that people that power posed, so getting into, there's five different ways, just getting big, putting your, never um, leaving your hands, like if you're in a business meeting, under the table, having them exposed. Touching your neck. T- don't touch your neck. What about folding your arms and hunching over? Don't hunch over. Get big. Think of, um, you know, stretching out. Do the starfish. Um, I'm a motherfucking starfish. Woo! That's the power pose song for you. Um, what it's about, everyone. So you, they did this. So they had an interview process. The folks, I think there were like 20 folks in the study. The folks that got big and power pose without knowing what they were doing it for were instructed to power pose for a minimum of two minutes before the interview. And... So with these people, because they noticed that the, obviously the, the folks that had never seen anybody in life before did the same reaction when they won a race, like in track, for instance, they would get big and throw their hands up at the end. Um, and that was like um, basically because in nature, alphas always get big. They're like the bigger ones. They're the ones that um, when they're fighting bonobos specifically, um, they put their hands up. That's how they, um, you know, overthrow the other alpha and win if or the, the continuous alpha wins. So when you do this stuff, when you get big, what happens is you raise testosterone levels in your body. And this is scientific. You lower cortisol levels and your brain switches into a mindset of like, I am alpha. I'm a natural born leader. So people that did this before interviews literally scored higher, um, like ranking, like the people that were giving the interviews, the job interviews specifically didn't know what was happening and what parties were, um, power posing and what parties weren't. So of those tested all, I think the 20 to 50, I can't remember the actual number in the study, um, like scored higher points. Um, the feedback from the interviewers were much better. Um, they, the interviewees felt like more confident, more secure. And then they've done these studies with, um, 
um, children that have anxiety, when they power pose before going into school, they um, are more social, even kids with mutism. When they power pose for just a minimum of two minutes a day in anything, you can do your Wonder Woman pose or Wonder Person pose. You can do your um, Obama. Obama. You can do um, just get your hands on the table. Um, you can, you know, cross your legs, get, just get big. And there's examples of these. Um, that we can put up and show you. Also, you can look at uh, Amy Cuddy does a TED Talk about this as well. It's 20 minutes. It's really, really intriguing and power posing. So two minutes a day before anything. Let's say you're going on a date and with a with a blind date or with somebody that you've dated a few times. Or maybe not even just going on a date. Maybe this is someone that you've been intimate with and you're still a little nervous. Right. So go in the bathroom and power pose. You can close your eyes. You can leave them open and breathe. And you don't really need to say anything to yourself, but just power pose. And it's this pose. whole fake it till you make it thing. You actually literally change the chemistry and the chemical um, the chemical triggers that are happening in your brain to lower that cortisol Increase your testosterone, and you can kill it with anything that you put forth by power posing prior to the event. So I do this before I go in to close big deals, like with you know multi-million dollar companies that I'm trying to you know have them pick up my products. I'll literally power pose, and there's you know I'm in a in a in industry, and you are as well, but me specifically in business where there's a lot of there's a lot of men running things, and I'm not going to say that you know. Um, I feel like I'm an equal, but I don't know in this world if that is actually completely the truth all the time. People look at me like, oh, you're, you know, a pretty little girl, and basically. Cute little skirt. Cute little skirt. Yeah. All you are is tits and ass sometimes. I've, I've heard even someone say that. You're just tits and ass. There's not much brain Wonderful. there. Wonderful. Yeah. So um, that's great. right? And you I should listen to our podcast. Lots of brain. Lots of brain. I know. So I, before going into meetings, I leave that stuff on the table. I, I, I leave it out of my head. I power pose. And then when I'm in the meeting, I never touch my neck. I never get small. I always have my hands on the table. I close them like a boss. And I always say that. Like, I'm like a boss. And people say, wow, your confidence is incredible. I'm like, you know, it's not fake confidence. Maybe initially I was faking it, but with the power posing practice, I really have found my inner confidence. And I do that before, like, you know, with, uh, when I was kind of nervous around, um, dating, I would do it before going out to dinner or before, like, I was like, Oh, like sexy time. I'm like, okay, I got this. I got this. this. Hands on the hips, hand on the hips, two minutes. You can look in the mirror. You can also close your eyes, whatever you're comfortable with, but do it for two minutes a day minimum seriously and, and you is, will notice the subtle changes it's medically pro- not medically proven i'm sorry it's psychologically proven and this is a great example of the power of the body so this is just a tool that you can use to get in your body and i know that confidence is a big thing out there what in the business world but especially in when it comes to relationships and sex people are attracted to confidence Absolutely. and confidence helps us to move forward and um, and speak our minds and communicate more clearly. If we don't have that, we shut down, we're quiet, we kind of get small. And so in confidence, we can't really fake. And that's something when we ask folks, like a lot of times, like um, in the world of, of, you know, what is attractive about their partner, I've heard so many people say that confidence, confidence is, is huge. huge. For whether, all genders. It's, right. it's attractive right. to everyone and for all genders. And because it just shows like they got this. You so know? this is a way to increase your confidence. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling, in an authentic way, because in an authentic you're way. saying fake it till you make it, but you're actually not. You're holding a pose and you're not creating a whole lie. The pose itself, the body is brilliant. The body it is a great tool for healing and learning. It retains knowledge. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. And we hold this pose and it literally tricks our bodies and creates these new neural pathways to show us that we're, teach us that we're confident. Well, I also say fake it till you make it initially because you feel ridiculous. You know, you're kind of like looking at yourself like, oh my God, am I really doing this right now mm-hmm. and in this workshop we typically have people stand up and and power pose and like why am i doing this they hold it while she talks and they hold it while i talk and and this is the reason so check that out power posing um that's another awesome tool to find your erotic superstar self Woo-hoo! all right so um as, as those two two more things on the note of getting in your body You've heard us say this before if you've listened to our podcast um, when i work with people in my sex and relationship coaching practice One of the first questions I'm usually asking people is, are you in your bodies when you're touching or being touched? And most people are not. And, and maybe they have moments of it, but most people are spending a lot of time in their heads, in their insecurities. You know, what do I look like? What do I smell like? Am I taking too long? Am I going to come? What am I going to have for breakfast? Et cetera, et cetera. Did I do the laundry? While they're being touched, touching someone. And so this is an example. You're not in your body. You're not here. You're somewhere else. Or you think like, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I've done that before in relationships when I'm like, you know, having sex with someone on a regular, um, like, and I don't want to ever say it was boring, but before I found my 
um, empowered self, I would be in my head and I'm like, oh, can this just kind of, can we get on with this? Yeah. Can we get this over with? Right. And therefore you're not present for what's going on. And totally. I know that sometimes we do that because we're not enjoying what's going on. And then we should, that's when a moment to like speak up and, and stop sh- and or, ask for something else right. or stop. Creep. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's a coming down to just, it's just hard for you to stay in your body. This is an important thing to incorporate because connected sex and usually good to great sex has is is present sex we're there for it and it it really is to a certain degree a meditation we can have sex and it's not a meditation it's usually disconnected it's just my body receiving whatever the fuck it wants without really connecting with another body or other bodies so and this applies to masturbation practices too a lot of times people are like just wanking themselves with their vibrator but they're not here you know they're like and you can be here by fantasizing in your in your brain and that can like keep you here or you can just be here by focusing on the touch and sensations and so these are the tools to be in your body when you're touching or being touched, you have two options to focus. You focus on the touch, so either you're touching, so you're being touched or touching yourself, focus on that touch, or you're touching someone else, focus on what it feels like to touch them, or you can focus on their responses, their breathing. You know, it's the sensations, it's the body senses, or Another, feeling or, their body parts that you love to touch. Exactly, just staying present with the touch or the breath. These right. both will keep you in your body. Anything else, for the most part, takes you somewhere else. All the stuff in your head. Um, we'll take you somewhere else. And, you know, fantasy is a wonderful thing to use, too. But it isn't I also, present. Well, I also like trying to breathe with my partner, like, deeply. Yeah. That's really helpful. That's, and that's it's very sexy, present and, and connected. super. And I, yeah. sometimes I don't even tell them I'm doing it. I just do it. And it's really hot. And it, like, turns me on. Yeah. So these are great tools to use with a partner. But, like, even this is the, we're saying that this step to getting in your body, it starts with you. If, you. if you're feeling like this is hard for you to do, this might be something you want to start practicing on your own, is practicing some either some erotic meditation. I'll give you two options here one is erotic meditation and it's and when i say meditation sometimes it triggers people because they're like i hate meditation it's so hard right and you know it's because we set high standards of like oh i'm not really meditating if i'm not fully you know present the whole time in single-minded focus most meditators are drifting here and there often so sit down even the most experienced experienced yeah so this practice you can do maybe say maybe two to three days a week you do five to ten minutes a day. Usually it's easier to meditate in the morning because we have less stuff coming in. But sometimes it's easier for people at night or middle of the day. You sit down. On airplanes, I do it. Yeah, you can do it on airplanes. And you, this meditation, this erotic meditation, doesn't involve touch. I'll give you one option that's without touch and one option that's with touch. So you sit down. You close your eyes. You begin to breathe naturally. And then and we'll do another podcast where I'll, I'll guide you actually in these breaths. But this one, where this is the Cliff Notes version. Then you do maybe five breaths into your chest and just focus on filling the chest with that breath. Then you lower it, five breaths into the diaphragm, and just focus on the breath as it fills the diaphragm. And then you take deeper breaths and you fill the lower belly. So five breaths, feel the lower belly expanding out as you inhale and, and relaxing as you exhale. Then you bring it either, even deeper. Imagine that breath travels down through your lower belly into your pelvic floor. So if you have a pussy, it fills up your whole whole pussy, your whole pelvic floor. If you have a cock, it's filling up that whole pelvic floor as well. So as you inhale, this whole thing kind of fills with this like warm, vibrant balloon of air, just like it did with your belly. And then as you exhale, it relaxes and releases. And the key to this is creating this whole mind, this whole integration, because a lot of times we're walking around so disconnected from our genitals and our sexuality. But once we actually integrate that with our breathing, with our whole upper body, it can become this full kind of like holistic thing where it's all working together. Literally, you can do this for five minutes a day or like before you're going to play with someone. While you power pose. While you power pose, too. Yeah, you can, like, have your hands and hips while you do this and do this breath. And then maybe you're going to come in contact with <laughs> another body. And all of a sudden, you're more in your body now. This right. it's, it's in it literally five minutes. It can be so helpful. So this is one way to do it. Um, and another, remember, you're not going to get the results unless you do the work. It, That's practice. really important it's, to remember. These are the tools. Be like you do it once and you're healed. This no. is a regular practice, right. people. This is like, and the more you do it, the easier it gets, the less you need to do it regularly. So... The next thing that um, I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version too. Usually, when we do this workshop, we do this seduction piece where I I, um, I seduce April in front of everyone, and um, I just hold space for her while she seduces and, me. And it's beyond seduction because I'm not only really seducing her; I'm more seducing myself. Right. And the power of this is to show that we and I learned this last summer. I learned that I have a superpower where I have the ability to turn myself on anywhere, anytime in front of anyone, you know, but it's for me. So I can be in front of a crowd of a hundred people 
close my eyes and just start to, to, to like turn myself on, you know, whatever it is that I need. Maybe it's some erotic imagery. Maybe what I usually do is I start imagining like this coiling energy kind of moving from my pussy up and through my entire body, like it's spiraling up. And when I do that, I usually, and I close my eyes. So there's all these people around and April's just on the other side of me, like looking at me, holding space. She's not trying to like do anything or fix anything. She's just allowing me to go through my process while holding that space. And I do whatever I need to do. Whatever feels good to me. It's this free expression of whatever wants to flow through me that feels erotic. So usually I'll imagine that coiling energy. I'll start to move my hips around. You know, my eyes are closed. And all of a sudden, within like two seconds, I've already forgot there's all these people watching me, including April. Then I'll start to let my hands run all over my body and let them explore wherever they want to. You know, maybe they like grab my breast and they run up my neck and they grab up my hair and scrape at the back of my neck. And they, I bend down, they go between my thighs and I rub like the outer, you know, vulva or whatever it is I'm doing fully clothed and doing it for me. What does my body need to go into an erotic space? What does it desire? Where do I desire to let my hands go? You know, where do my hands want to go? And you do that. Until you feel like you've gone into an erotic space, like you, you have a turn on. And when you have the turn on, then you can open your eyes. And you can do this on your own. You can do this in front of the mirror. You can do this completely on your own. Or you can do this in front of another person and be witness. And that's really powerful because that's like deeply vulnerable. But let's use it as an example of doing on your own. So I, if I was doing that on my own, I would just do that until I get my turn on and I feel it. I can like, and I check in with myself. I don't like, oh, I'm only going to do this for five minutes and I'm good. Am I fully in my body and in my erotic body? Because I know what that feels like when I get there. I feel warm. My body's vibrating. It's like tingly all over. I feel alive. I feel fucking empowered and on top of the world. Like I am the juiciest And this works because I did it after um, we, uh, one of our workshops, which I hadn't seen. You'd spoken to me about it before. And I was like, I was a bit confused by it. You know, like, how does this work? How does this work? And then after we did that workshop, I actually practiced this when I was in my head a lot with my partner and I was like, oh my God, I wasn't feeling turned on. I wasn't feeling um, empowered really. I was feeling like in my head, in my head, in my head. Oh my God, oh my God. Um, and, and there was a lot of stuff going on. And, and then I was like, okay, I just need to get, and then just feeling the feelings of like, this feels good, this feels good. And, and, and just kind of going through the process of turning myself on. No matter, because no matter what he was touching, I was just like, not feeling you weren't there pleasure right and that wasn't that was i mean that was you leaving your body cause right you have to be present for it otherwise they can do the, the most fancy tricks but if you're not there you right. can't receive it totally so it's really really powerful this is something that you can start to make a regular practice too you know i used to set sexy nights for myself where i would dim the lights and put on some sexy music and wear my little booty shorts and just do this for myself um, even before I learned it as a practice that I could actually do, like before I learned it as a super power that I can do now in front of a hundred people, which is very vulnerable. You know, I can go inside, turn myself on in front of any, everyone, anyone for myself. It's just, it's, it's amazing because we have all these tools in us. First, we have to get rid of the shame. Then we have to get in our body. And then we have this ability to go in there and turn ourselves on whenever we want to. It's, it starts with us. It's amazing. We're very yes. capable species. We are very powerful. We have this uh, cognition that is brighter than any other, you know, animal on the planet. Yep. So, so it starts step, with you. So we did the body. Step three. What do you want? And I'm not going to go deep into this. I'm going to refer you all to um, podcast episode number two, which is, is what do you want and how to ask for it. Uh, it talks all about the core erotic theme and that there's a deeper question. It's not what do we want, like what, how do I want to be touched. It's how do I want to feel when I'm touching or being touched. How do I want to feel as an erotic being is a deeper question. And once we figure that out, and there's a lot of tools in that, in that episode, episode two, on how to figure that out. Once we figure that out, then we can find out the little kind of like surface level things of how to get that feeling. Um, so that's just something for you all to go back to because we're giving the Cliff Notes version. There's a whole episode on that. Going deeper into your core erotic theme. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Step four. How to ask for it. How do we ask for it? Okay, so this is something we've talked about a lot before as well in many episodes. So we'll give you a little Cliff Notes version of that too. We've talked about empowered language. That's from speaking from the I feel. And I know we talk about Not like statements. doing the blame game where you make you me made feel me this feel. way. They don't make you feel. Right. Yeah. You're responsible for your own feelings. Yeah. You have the ability to feel whatever way. One person might not be off put by something that um, someone else does and you may be affected by it. The trigger yeah. situation. Um, so remember, no one's making you feel some way. You are responsible for those feelings so just address it with the uh when you when this happens i feel this way or i feel hurt yeah and a lot of those feelings are come from past stuff it's actually not even related to your current relationship it's right. related to stuff with your parents or past partners 
So, so when it comes to something, you get a trigger. You know, I always use this example of your partner walks in the door. They don't give you a hug right away, and you feel kind of sad about that. Instead of being like, you always, every time you come in, you never give me a hug, and I, you're a fucking asshole. You know, instead of going into that blame space and the always or never statements, to speak, go into the vulnerability of how you feel. Hey, when you walk in the door and... Um, when you walked in the door and you didn't give me a hug, I felt unimportant and unloved. And this takes a lot of courage and a lot of strength from within yourself to, to identify those things. But it is yeah. so helpful. Yeah, and it takes you understanding how you feel. You need to go into the vulnerability to understand It's being that. mature and kind of like realizing that um, getting deeper within yourself and finding what's kind of off-putting to you or that's setting you off and it's, is it's, what's going to help you, and if you don't, identify and change. If you don't do it, it's just going to build up in you. You know, your partner continues to do that every time they come home. They never give you a hug. You start to build resentment. It's right. just cracks in the foundation. And you never They're say something. They're always leaving the toilet seat up. And you're like, ugh. And then a year later, you explode. <laughs> Fuck you, mother. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. You do this every time. Ah! And it's like something that was so small. Right. But had you had express, expressed the little thing of like, hey... You know, I feel sad when you don't hug me when you walk in the door, and I just need to tell you that. And I used to always do this pick your battles thing, but that's not like really because like being in a long term relationship with someone, I'm like I don't want to be at the nag, like, right? Like you get the, you want to be needy, no, and you're like oh, and and then I'm like, do I have a lot of stuff? Like, am I just that much of a pain in the ass? Like, I have this, but we have but humans then, with things, right? All so the then time. I uh, then getting um, getting the tools to kind of switch and identify it with you know your partner or with your friend, your roommate, whoever uh, the, the triggers are being um, set off by, maybe is um, the fr- it's, it's a, it's a well, wonderful it step. It creates deeper connection because once we, once we are able to express our thing, you, you and your partner, just you express some things. We yeah, talked sure. about this in the last episode, and it created a deeper connection. Totally. It instantly creates a deeper bond. Where we're like, hey, I have a feel. Like, I have a thing. I have a feel. Can I express my feel? And it's really... And, and you've you, done nothing wrong. Yeah. It's, it's my stuff. Started, we said last episode, you know, start it with, you didn't do anything wrong. I love you. And I just need to expl- express this to you because I don't want to let and it I'm go. I'm not asking for any solution. I'm just wanting you to hold space um, yeah, for it. Yeah, just to just hear me because otherwise it's going to build inside of me. And, can, and, you, and you're always asking for that too. Not like, hey, like, and you're not asking them to really do anything differently you You just you just want it yes exactly you you want them to listen and um that was something that was hard for me because i always want a solution and i'm like instant gratification but then realizing right that's my fixer nature um and realizing that i don't need to ask for a solution i just need to be heard and know that there's you know these feelings are are genuine and they understand everyone wants to feel understood and seen and when we hold those things in they just build up we don't feel understood and then we just we're disconnected right then all of a sudden we're super disconnected so empowered language is the first part of how to ask for what you want um the second part that um i I do that i say so if anyone has a coin handy um any kind of coin heads or tails yeah so any kind of coin pennies whatever you have grab a coin right now and we'll do this little quick exercise because it's sometimes when we say like how to speak from how we feel, some people don't know how to feel. They right. don't know how, cause they haven't embraced vulnerability yet. They don't know where it comes from. Where do I feel my yeses, my nos, my hurts, my sads, my maybes. So here's a quick exercise to understand more of like that deeper intuitive knowing that deeper wisdom of our feelings. So everyone grab a coin and I want you to think of a question that you want an answer to. So maybe it's, am I going to sleep with this person tonight? Should I have a cocktail later? What? We did this. Didn't we talk about this on the last podcast? No. Number 13? No. Okay. Did we? Uh, yeah, we did. Because I remember talking about the, the um, women's reaction when we did this in Portland. Oh, we did. We did talk about this. Okay. All right. We should be 100% positive. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I can do this again. Sorry. No, you're good. Okay. I just want to be told. You're yeah. good. So I can start it here. So a second part of how to ask for what you want um, after empowered language is something that we actually talked about in the last episode, which was a coin toss exercise. Because a really important part of understanding um, where our yeses, our nos, our maybes are coming from, as well as our feelings. Because some people aren't tapped in their feelings, you know, because feelings, speaking our feelings have, involve us being in tune with our vulnerability, in tune with our sad, our hurt, our anger, all that stuff, and understanding where it's coming from in our bodies. And a lot of people aren't in touch with that. So this exercise that we did, if you listen to our last episode, number 13, we talk about a coin toss exercise. And in, um, in just the Cliff Notes version, you would take the coin, 
we would assign you think of a question, any question that you want an answer to. You know, should I sleep with this person? How tonight? deep or not or surface that you yeah, want to take? It could be a simple question, but you want an answer to it. And we'll say that heads is always yes, tails is always no. You flip it, you get your answer. It's not what the answer is; it's how you feel about it. That instant you're feeling. Like, oh man! Of like, then you're like, oh, yeah. or like yes, that's a, that feels right. That's that deeper knowing. That's where we want to speak from is that place. It isn't the surface level, the heady stuff of all the stories and the insecurities. It's the deeper wisdom in our bodies because the bodies are brilliant. It's deep inside of us, usually from a chest or a heart space um, of a deeper knowing. And if it's hard for you to go in there, you can use this tool to start practicing to feel into your intuition. You start anytime you have a big question coming up, flip the coin and then feel from it. To make the to come into the answer for it could be really really powerful and the more you do it it'll get easier to feel from and then um, this well, you don't even need the coin you don't even need the coin um, part C of how to ask for it will be positive reinforcement we've also talked about this in a podcast um, and many of but that's them, because this stuff is really it's, it applies to it's, everything it it's applies so to everything and it's important so yeah maybe we're reiterating but that's because this stuff works well maybe they haven't listened to this episode or maybe and it's nice to, it. to have this all in order everyone so this is this is you know going to keep it easier for you to like if you're trying to wonder that this all feels so scattered and how do I organize all of this to get into my most erotic self um, this might be more beneficial for you. So just look at the notes version of that. Um, and I said this before, I always use the nipple example. Someone's rubbing your nipples and they're rubbing really hard and vigorously. And you're like, holy fuck, this is like really irritating. If you do love usually having your nipples or your breast touch or your chest, if you don't have breasts, you could say something authentic. So don't you want to be like, oh, I love the way you're rubbing my nipples when you don't really love it. But you could say something authentic. So this is the positive reinforcement part. I love when you touch my breasts. I love when you touch my nipples. And, so not but, and what I love even more is if you rub them slower and softer. This happened with me with kissing. You know, some, some people, when they kiss you. They're hard and they the like darty the, tongue. Yeah, the darty tongue. So I've used that practice before when it's like, hey, I love making out with you. But, like, I, I love kissing you. But, um... Or no, and no, but no, but no, but no, but and and I love soft tongue. Yeah, I would love what I'd love even more is like some soft tongue, or maybe no, or maybe no tongue for a little or while. Open, yeah, or open mouth kissing. And it's the positive reinforcement piece of it, something authentic that they hear. They're like, "Oh, I'm doing something right." Right. And the and isn't like because if you get a butt, they're like, "Ah, oh, fuck, here it yeah. comes." And then you get the correction, and it doesn't feel like an actual the correction. shit sandwich. It's we talked about like this before. Tip. Yeah, shit sandwich. So shit sandwich them. And this will help. It's like, thank you. Here's the advice. And thank you. And then they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Right. right. Give them a cookie, people. Um, And then the last piece of this one is the uh, win-win, the negotiation compromise win-win, which April has some passion about. Right. I really do. And we have talked about this before, again, in asking for what you want, creating the win-win. But I will come from a place of a business deal. And this is something that we were just talking about before we started recording the podcast. So win-win, creating a win-win, it's, again, the maturity, the courage that comes in and being mature. And uh, maturity isn't about, like, I'm an adult. It's, like, being mature in your senses, not reactive. So coming into something with, uh, you know, an open mind and an open heart, um, and then creating that win-win, meaning you approach things knowing that there's enough for everyone, um, abundance, basically. You're going to come in maturity, so totally with a lot of courage that your ideas could be heard and that you will hear the ideas of others. And um, the other one is doing it with integrity, knowing that, like, in the long term, like, um, you're doing things with, like, based on your value system and also knowing that other people have hopefully are living in in integrity and doing things, um, without a shroud of, you know, any shroud of veil of weirdness or, or lies or incapabilities where you're feeling, I don't know, like living life with integrity is doing things with honor. Well, and I like what you always say about, um, when it isn't feeling like a win-win to walk away until it is. Right. So that, that being said, like, and this is something that I do in business. I was kind of um, getting into that. So I approach things with those three tactics in mind all the time, maturity, abundance, integrity. I like, I live my life that way. Um, and basically when I, when I, when I close a deal, I I will ask people, I'm like, so are you going to pick up the products? And if they're like, like kind of 
um, you know, it's not a hard yes. I'm like, so let me, let me just put it this way to you. I'm like, I prefer a hard no and a hard yes rather than a maybe. Because um, if you don't feel like it's a win-win, let's walk away and let's renegotiate later. Maybe the pricing isn't right for you or maybe um, you don't like the terms or how we ship or whatever. And let's get back to it. Let's, let's both contemplate this. Maybe let's it's going to... Let's not bullshitting. Let's like, not let's bullshit, yeah. And when feeling? I say that to people, you, and, and you've witnessed it at trade shows. It blows my mind. Like, yeah. She's and I say that on the phone. I'm like, I want to be a win-win. If you feel like it's a win-lose and I'm winning something and you're losing, let's walk away from this deal. And people are so responsive to that. So in relationships, we can apply it as well, or to friendships. Um, let's say you and I are having a disagreement, Amy, um, about, I don't know, um, about uh, what podcast to, to, to record next. Um, and, uh, you want to do something on, um, I don't know. Anal. Anal. Let's come back to anal. She wants to. And I want to do tantric breathing or tantric sex. Uh I think that telling you, well, Hey, look, you feel this way on anal. I feel this way on tantric sex. Um, let's try to figure out a win-win. Are you willing to compromise a bit? Like meet me in the middle. Maybe we do 15 minutes of anal and then go into tantric sex. Mm -hmm. Do you feel, are you comfortable with that? And then, and then if we can't, and if we then can't, we walk away. Then we, we take, walk away we from take the a break. And yeah. this applies again. This is that great thing with relationships. When we're in an argument with someone, um, it's okay to press pause or take a break. Right. It's okay to walk away for an hour. It's okay to shelf something. And, and it's not like you're breaking tomorrow. up with your partner for having a disagreement. But just take some time. Be like, okay, I can see that this isn't going to be a win-win situation. Let's sleep on it. Let's talk about it next week. Let's come up with a plan. Which is really hard for anxious people. Like, it, we need to do it, it now. Is. And I am one of the most anxious people I know. Well, and you're a fixer. You want and, it done now. And, right. Yeah. And I, I love instant gratification. And But it's very beneficial but it when is. it's feeling like you're in take circles the time. and people aren't getting what they're And compromise met. is the lowest form of win-win. If you feel like you're sacrificing anything, that's not a win-win. Sacrifice is not like, oh, yes, I'll give up, uh, you know, or I'm going to give in to this. It's not. It's creating the win-win for both parties. And that's what successful relationships, business deals are, are built on. Win-win. Yep. Win-win, fools. Oh, there's a book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Very business-driven, but it will still give you it some also, you know, It's also for families, yeah. too. Like, if you have children and, you know, maybe a 15-year-old that isn't super uh, amazing with your ideas about how you're parenting or they're resistant, there's tools in there for, for those folks, too. Um, there's tools in there for marriages. There's tools. It's a great book, and I highly recommend it. it. It really changed my life. My boss actually recommended it to me, and we talk about it all the time when we're, in, we're, we're having meetings. He's like, is this a win-win? I'm like, damn right it is. I feel good about it. I'm happy. I'm happy. All right, so number five, we're almost done, people. We're almost done. Number five, living in a due state of mind. Uh, April's really passionate about this one as well. This is something that we have talked about, again, in asking for what you want, but for those of you who haven't listened to podcast number two or maybe have, this is just a reiteration, a reinforcement of these practices that are highly successful. So instead of saying, I don't want to be late, I don't want to be late, say, I want to arrive on time. What I want to arrive on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to say, like, I hate it when people pull out in front of me. I'm usually driving uh, for some reason. I hate it when people pull out in front of me. I don't like that. Why do the people do that? Say, I want to, this is what I do with cops because I, I am a speed demon. I'm like, I'm going to arrive safely and uh, without losing any money. <laughs> <laughs> really fast. Really fast. Yes. Or um, in relation, or if you're, say you're calling in a partner, like, I don't want a partner that leaves a toilet seat up all the time. Call in what you do want. I want a partner that's really considerate and courteous. Right. Yeah. I want a partner that is into food. And I, I know this this is like part of that like manifesting stuff, but this is again this works with the mind here. The more that we speak in the positive and we speak for what we actually want, it's the affirming more affirming what you want yeah. instead of negating what you want. Mm-hmm. So remember, be firm. Switch to the if every time you find yourself don'ting, switch to a do state of mind. Live in the do state of mind. And I constantly, I even now practicing this practice for over a couple of years, I still find myself falling into those patterns of don'ting. And, um, I, yeah. And I think just putting out there and being really clear and doing instead of don'ting is going to help you achieve whatever of that partner, that, that purse, <laughs> that purse you always I really wanted. want that purse. She likes clothes and fashion. Yeah. Everyone. All right. Last point. Number six. 
and is also a very, very important one, is practice. Create regular practices that create new neural pathways. The more we do something, the more normalized it comes. It literally creates new neural pathways in our brain that makes it a standard, like it will become the default. So the more you practice all of these things, whether it's speaking from a due state of mind, using empowered language, this stuff power is, posing, this erotic is, meditation. Yes. And this is old stuff. Like Napoleon Hill wrote a book called Think and Grow Rich in like the 30s. Yeah. It's kind of a misogynistic book because... Uh, you know, it's very manly, like talking about men in business and your wife coming home to a cooked meal. But they talk about practicing these like very intensive, like th- these people, like, um, I mean, Carnegie use these practices, really, really wealthy, um, Vanderbilts use mm-hmm. these practices of the think and grow rich, which is writing down, getting clear about what you want and, um, living in that do state, creating the win-wins. Those are all things that are highly successful and highly effective people do those things. And I personally think the practice more, we can do the somatic, the physical practice practice of something so we can practice things with our minds but the body again retains knowledge and um, is a really powerful vehicle for learning so the more we can physically practice things the more normalized it will become right it becomes habit yeah you create healthy habits like whether it's eating exercise sex sex relationships mind communication training boning boning wanking bang it out yeah (laughs) all right so in summary let's do it let's do the takeaways okay so takeaways takeaways (laughs) so key takeaways the six steps step one Clearing shame and embracing vulnerability. Step two, get into your body. It starts with you. Step three, what do you want? Ask the deeper question. It's not what we want. It's how do we want to feel. Look at episode two. Listen to episode two to learn more about that. Step three, how do we ask for it? Using empowered language, feeling from our deeper intuition, uh, positive reinforcement, and win-win. Step five, living in a do state of mind, speaking what we do want as opposed to what we don't want. And step six, practice, practice, practice. You never, ever stop practicing. Keep practicing. Every day is a journey. Every day is a new day to start these things. And remember, do feel good about yourself. There's no need to beat yourself up if you're, you know, not practicing for a couple of days. Yeah, we have our moments. We have our moments. Be um, compassionate. This right. is another part empathy. of Empathy. Live in empathy. There's yeah, no shame. Some t- release that shame uh, and, and be good to yourself. Love yourself. It starts with you. It starts with you, peeps. Um, so we need to go because... We're going to go back to the festival. We need to go to the festival and go do some festival things. And so thank you for joining us. Thank um, you. We love we, our listeners. We say this all the time, but if you haven't reviewed us, please review us on iTunes. We love, 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 love We you. have five stars so far. We people five stars seem, and, the and they're real reviews because yeah, I was checking Thanks, them out. Um, so thank you. I know because some people are like, wow, those are really good reviews. Are those real? I'm like, yeah. no, 100%. As far as I know, they'd be as real. As far so. as I know. So thank you for listening. We value love um, and honor our listeners as we will. Tell your friends about us. Um, tell your mom. Tell your grandma. Uh, tell your grandpops. And uh, have them listen to Shameless Sex because we love this and we love you. So thank you so much, everyone. And ciao for now. Like what you hear? Well, then head on over to shamelesssex.com for more podcasts and information on our latest happenings.